Hello everyone and welcome to another Arsenal podcast. I am Regan, this is Matt. Hi mate. And this is Mark. Hi Regan. Guys, it would be, uh, well, I'll tell you what, it's great, it's great to, to be sitting here and, and talking to you guys again about Arsenal, despite their uh, their best efforts to, to ruin our weekends. But before we get into that, how are you both? Very well, thank you. How are you two? Yeah, very well, man. It's um, It's been a while, but good to be back. Enjoying yeah, the weather as well. It's nice to, nice yeah, to do this in sure. the daylight. Yeah, it is for a change. I mean, it's weird because it was snowing when I walked to get some breakfast this morning and now uh, I'm practically tanning in my room. Um, yeah. So it's a bit of a strange one. But Any, chafe, yeah, any I mean, chafing going on? Uh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm adequately clothed for the situation and uh, or unclothed, if you will. Um but yeah, I mean, let, let, let's hope the, the subtle death grip of global warming takes effect before, before Arsenal get any worse. Um, so we've just come off the back of quite a limp performance against Liverpool. What, what were you guys' thoughts? Because uh, I didn't expect much going into it. Uh, and then I no. saw the two centre-backs that Liverpool started with. And I thought it would be nice if we at least score. And uh, yeah, then we proceed to drop an absolute clangor. So, to Mark, I'll come to you first. Talk me through your thoughts on the game. Um, I think that's probably the worst, well, it is the worst performance that we've put in since before Christmas. Um, like you say, I didn't really expect much going into it. Um, and I think, in a way, we've been very, very unlucky to come up against Liverpool twice this season when they're really up for it. Like, if we'd have played the Liverpool that lost to Fulham recently, there's no way we're leaving without all three points. Uh, having said that, we were appalling for the first 45 minutes. We weren't much better in the second. Um, and we can't really complain about anything. That was, mm. it was shambolic, to be honest. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and Matt, you know, are you sort of echoing Mark's comments there, or you know, you yeah. blame a slightly wet pitch that some Arsenal fans have done in the past. You know, let's not forget. It. <laughs> yeah, let's we mustn't forget, forget it that raining. it's been raining. In all seriousness, like yesterday was just uh, Saturday was just awful. I think, um, like Mark said, it's, it's definitely the worst that we've been since. Obviously, we hit our good. Well, I say good form. We had a good form and then we dipped again. But um, you know, that was a pre-December game like watching it again where there was no structure to the team we couldn't even get out of our own half like and the thing that really you you touched on it Regan when you see their centre halves you think wow we can get them here Alexander Arnold was probably in the worst form he's ever been in in his career so far and you think this is a back four we can really get at and to you know for Alexander Arnold to basically get man of the match and you know absolute have the best performance he's had in um, months shows how piss poor we were to be honest because we couldn't contain anything they did you know like the first half we didn't look like we were really going to concede I don't think I don't think we were like lucky to be at 0-0 I think 0-0 was probably about right we didn't go forward I didn't really feel like we were under huge pressure like we didn't get we didn't do enough to score don't get me wrong but I don't think we were really under the cosh hugely um mm. but then you know, second half, once that first goal went in. I, I genuinely thought at one point we could actually hold out for a nil-nil here and it wouldn't, even though the result wouldn't look bad, the performance was obviously dreadful. And I thought if we got a nil-nil out of it, I wouldn't have been too disappointed. But yeah, as soon as that first goal went in, it was like watching us under Wenger the last few years of Wenger where you let one go in and then they just, the floodgates open. And we haven't been like that under Arteta really. No, I feel like um, Gabriel had a really, really good game up until that first goal. And, and then his he confidence just went, apart. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, and I think the entire, I mean, holding, I don't think was, did covered himself in any glory on Saturday. I think he's now showing what we all know. I think what we know Rob Holding is. I don't think Rob Holding has ever, I don't think we've ever thought, oh yeah, he's going to be good enough to be our centre-back next season. Um, Gabriel, yeah, like you said, he was good up until a mistake, and then he made that first goal went in, um, which obviously wasn't his mistake. But that first goal went in, and his confidence just fell to pieces, and he couldn't even pass the football after that. He, he, he I mean, coming from somebody that that has played those positions in the past, it, it, past, he would 
feel partly responsible because his ball out to Cedric is yeah. what caused that. And I think where he'd been so used to Kieran Tierney being in the position to receive the ball is what made him think that he could play that pass and it was safe. Uh, and then, you know, I'm not saying it was Cedric's fault. That Cedric's playing out of position. You know, he's he's uh, trying to mitigate something that and, you know, just be solid. So he's not in a bad position to receive the ball, but he clearly doesn't want it. And then, you know, we've obviously been told to play out from the back. Muscle memory. Gabrielle's tried to hit that ball out to Tierney and then and come in. Uh, Rob Holden, I mean... It's a very poor goal to concede, but I'm not I'm not gonna jump on this bandwagon that he's appalling because we've never made him out well, certainly realistic Arsenal fans have never made him out to be world class, but you can't deny that he has been good this season in most cases. I think the whole team were limp and shit. And I think that Hotta or Yotta, I don't know how you pronounce the Liverpool Yotta's name, um it felt like no matter who was in Rob Holding's position yesterday, any Arsenal player was going to be outjumped. Because I don't, I don't think, think a in... five foot seven bloke should outjump Rob Holding. I don't think a five five foot seven bloke should outjump anyone, but that happens pretty much every two weeks against us. So I, I mean, it was a carbon a copy of, of the Raheem Sterling goal. We've literally let Raheem Sterling and Diego Jota outjump our centre backs. I don't think it's a case of positioning I don't think it's a case of technique I think it's a case of desire and yeah, across 100%. the board not a, sing, not a single one of our players wanted that game yesterday and I mean to, to move away from the defence and, and the goals that have been conceded I am more and more convinced that Aubameyang has got to go in the summer um, yeah. I think it's it's getting a bit poisonous uh, like I don't want to start a bandwagon or jump on this or something now, but like, I, I really don't get it. I really don't get it because he's not, why would someone that, right. I don't know if he's asked to be captain in his contract or it was something that was put in there to convince him to stay. But to me, he doesn't look like the sort of player that would A, care about being captain, B, want to be captain. So that captaincy thing is probably in his contract somewhere. Right. Yeah. I don't get why he is continuing with the armband when he doesn't motivate anyone, never speaks to the press after a loss, uh, is just very clearly not happy on the pitch with us at the moment. And this isn't one of those Urza body language situations. This is literally like a fucking light switch has been flicked and Aubameyang just doesn't care. Um, I think, I said this to one of my friends a few days ago, um, we would be silly not to sell one of Lacazette and Aubameyang or both this summer and go out and buy a goal scorer before we're desperate because Lacazette has got a year left Aubameyang's over 30 we should be going out this summer this this transfer window and looking at someone like Ollie Watkins Calvert-Lewin you know uh, looking above that at least trying if there's a fire sale going on for Erling Haaland we need to be at least a part of those conversations. No, I mean, you're I don't think he would there. come. It, it would... no, listen, no, no, I don't. I don't think he would come. I don't think he would come. We get Odegaard. I don't think we can afford him. Yeah. I don't think we can afford him either. But what I'm saying is, if we're a top club with ambitions, yeah, but at we the moment should at least we're not, be on the phone to his agent and saying that. But I this, mean, but this, oh yeah, this I'm sure. Like, I'm sure there's conversations the... being had. I'm sure if you ask Mikel Arteta what striker he'd like to sign, he it would probably be Erling Haaland or like. If he wanted someone who's a proven goal scorer right away, he'd say he'd like to sign Robert Lewandowski. But the the reality of the situation we're in, Lacazette and Aubameyang are nowhere near good enough at the moment, or certainly recently for for a while now, to be leading strikers for this club who are going to score. And I've always kind of thought I felt I felt a bit funny when people like Sunes and stuff use cliches like, "Oh, he's not a twenty seat goal a season striker." But in reality, that's what Aubameyang's been for us the three seasons he's been here. He's been a twenty plus goal a season striker and now he's not that where do you you have to find someone who can score you those goals a season because the problem this season has been that goal scorer if you think about the uh, the game against Aston Villa if you think about the game against Man City I mean I'm just talking games in the last two months those all we've missed is a someone to put the ball in the back of the net we haven't missed it's not it's not been awful defensive performances we lost 1-0 to Villa we lost 1-0 to Man City we lost 2-1 to Wolves with a absolute worldie of a goal and one that was a penalty that obviously we all had a say on. So, you know, those games, they weren't missing 
defend there weren't defensive issues it, it is attacking issues that is our main problem i genuinely believe that i do not believe that defense is our biggest issue no it's definitely not and i think that when you consider as well that pepe is never going to chip in with more than 10 goals a season saka i mean that's he's not a very really different his type saka so yeah it's like he's probably going to get those numbers but i don't think he's like a that type of player but he gets it more as a result of his all-round game than he does yeah. because, you know, like Aubameyang is the goals. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have an all-round game, um, no, basically. Exactly. Uh, Odegaard, yeah, he might chip in like one or two if we keep him. He's not going to be prolific. Same with smith Rowe. So you do look at this team and think, where do the goals come from? Like, it used to be a couple of seasons ago, people saying, oh, well, if Aubameyang or Lacazette go through a drought, then where does it come from? And you think, well, we've got to the point where neither of them really are scoring. Um, I think, I, I, I do think that, and this is, I don't know, you just laughed at what I said about Erling Haaland and stuff like that, but I think the club need to be looking at a striker this window because if they yeah. don't, it's going to go on for another season. Oh, I completely agree with that. Clubs will know we're desperate. I'm not, I'm not saying Erling Haaland in the sense of I think we can get him. I don't think he'd touch us with a barge pole. But it's one of those things where you need to be guilty by association. The club needs to be seen to be going for these players to show ambition. If I'm not we're sure, to you know. That Josh, if we're to believe that Josh Cronkey is telling us to be excited, if we're to believe that the Cronkies are willing to back one massive signing for us in the summer, as the news was reporting the other day, then we need to be seeing that and we need to be hearing it and there needs to be smoke where there's fire. And I think... Do you not feel that, like... Okay, we say that we're going to go for, or like we link ourselves with Haaland in the summer. Then, when you sign somebody like Ollie Watkins, you know him well from Brentford, like you know his quality, and he's still underrated. Like now, mm-hmm. he's an England international and he scored quite a few goals this season. He scored a perfect hat trick in his debut against the champions. Yeah. Then, when you get Ollie Watkins, does it not look like a downgrade on from? from Haaland does it look like well we're Uh, not going to get Haaland anyway so we settle for this Villa striker but the thing is we did the similar thing in 2013 do you remember when we went for Suarez and we ended up with no one and then whoever we well yeah but we went for a striker didn't we we weren't we were looking for a striker originally we settled on a playmate obviously that season Wenger wanted a striker because we tried to sign Suarez Rooney and Higuain and we ended up with no one. So when they're the calibre, I mean, we're not, we're talking about 2014 Higuain here, where he was quality, where he was a really, really yeah. good striker in the prime of his career. Same with Rooney, same with Suarez. They were all elite level strikers. And we ended up with no one. And the kind of position that puts you in then, where it looks like you can't even land one of your targets, whoever we had signed after that, I know we didn't end up signing someone, but if you use it as an example this summer, if we were look, if we if there was reports that came out that Arsenal were in talks to sign Haaland, forget the banter and the memes that would be thrown at us anyway, because of course they would, because he would never come to Arsenal. But if we then, like Mark said, if we ended up with someone like Watkins, who I think is a superb player, I would I would more than happily have Ollie Watkins leading the line for us. It's so, just uh, it's never yeah. going to be a situation where he's not considered a downgrade on Haaland. But we we're never going to sign Haaland. I think I think I've backed myself into a corner with the with the using Haaland as an example because I'm I'm thinking of a very specific situation where it's practically best and final from the top clubs in Europe. Mino Raiola is essentially saying I'm auctioning his services. Yeah. So what I'm what I'm saying is that Arsenal need to be seen to actually be saying, okay, well we put a bid in and we got outbid by Barcelona and everyone knows we can't match their finances despite the fact that they're practically impoverished now. That's fine. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying let's be the only club going for someone and still get turned down. I'm more in the sense of if Man United, City, Chelsea, apparently even are trying to get him, if these clubs are trying to get him, then we should be as well, right? Oh, I agree with that. That's my my argument. But But I think that it also needs to be seen in the sense of we don't just need one striker. We need... I've always been of the opinion that you need four strikers to win a title. You need your two first-choice strikers. You need yeah, a great. backup option. And then you need a young striker coming through. So, like, you look at when uh, we won the double in 2002 and the years leading up to that, you know, he, we replaced Anelka. We had Bergkamp. Replaced Anelka with Henri. Uh, sorry, Carnu. originally replaced Anelka with Carnu. So, and he's we'll got Carnu and Bergkamp there. Two international strikers. Buys Henri. Now you've got three. 
Still Van Wiertel had a good Euros. Let's go and buy him. Francis Jeffers was our young backup. Exactly. And then Jeremy Aliadier. So we yeah. need two strikers this summer if Enketia goes as well. I, I would be so behind. Yeah. I'm sorry, I feel like I'm dominating the conversation, but I'd be so behind us selling both Lacquer and Orba and going out and buying Ollie Watkins and, and even, um, who was the other one? Watkins and Calvert-Lewin. Two different kinds of strikers, both goal scorers. I hated Calvert-Lewin a few years ago. I think he's the bollocks now. This is exactly what um, Ferguson did to win titles, was yep. he would have his top two strikers, like Juventus Troyes on uh, Rooney, you know, uh, Van Persie for a while, Cantona even, um, Dwight York, Andy Cole. And a lot of the time he would pinch a, a mid-table striker like Alan Smith, Louis Sahar, yeah. Somebody like that who's gonna get what even Chicharito, 15, who was 20. never gonna be a good he was never gonna be world yeah. class, but he was like he was gonna get you fifteen goals a season. And I'd even put Shinji Kagawa in that bracket, despite the fact he was a midfielder and that he was yeah. that kind of player, he would only play 20, 25 games, full games in all competitions. Like Welbeck when they had him as well, to be honest. I know they didn't yeah. sign him, but yeah. like Welbeck. Welbeck in that 2011 12 season when they beat us eight two, he scored fourteen goals in the Premier League. He only played like twenty yeah. games. I'm going back to the uh, the result on Saturday. Obviously, I'm, I'm sure we'll get onto the injuries, but it goes to show, doesn't it, that Arsenal have three players out from the start. Then Tierney goes off, and you look at the squad and you think, actually, yeah. what have we got? Times, yeah. yeah, yeah. There is, uh, and one thing I'd just like to say on the injury front, and we just use the example of you know you have a young striker coming through. I'm sick and tired of square pegs in round holes when we get injuries. What is the point of having an under-23s or a reserve team if you can't have at least one of those players come in and fill in for an injury? Yeah. You're telling me there's not a young left-back in our academy who wouldn't, isn't dying for a chance like that? I mean, that's how Bellerin came through. It's how Ashley Cole came through. I mean, we've loaned out two players who can play at left-back, which seems slightly silly now in, in hindsight. One, one more point before um, before we move on completely on the uh, signings front. And I think just, I think it's interesting that Regan's mentioned uh, Ollie Watkins and Haaland as two like big strikers we should go for. When you consider that Red Bull Salzburg sold Haaland on and Brentford sold Watkins on, those are the kind of clubs that will take chances on yeah. on those younger players who you know sort of come from you know smaller backgrounds like Harlan came from Mulder um looks good so they signed him similar with Brentford you know getting like Ivan Tony even the way they got Watkins he was from Exeter wasn't Exeter. he yeah. I had a yeah. mate who um I had a mate who went to Exeter Uni that I worked with and I never forget um he came into the office one morning and he was like Oh, we've got we've got a great player here at Exeter now. Where I think it was the year they got to the playoff finals. Like Ollie Watkins, mate, going to go straight to the top, straight to the top. And I just had it in my yeah. head, like you know, when you get fans of Championship and lower leagues, like they get a young player come through and just like, oh, just shut up, man, like yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Not. And then he went to Brentford, and I was like, best striker in the fucking league, mate. Who's unreal? <laughs> these are the <laughs> these are the clubs that we need to be pilfering from. You know, the yeah, the likes of. You, you need to look at players that, okay, maybe a little bit bigger than, than Brentford because we need players who are ready for, you know, Premier League now, not Premier League in two years' time. But, yeah, go go to these clubs. Like, look at who, um, like with Lille, for example, like we signed um, Gabriel and Pepe off of them. Who are they then going to sign to replace Gabriel and Pepe? Go mm. for those kinds of players, that kind of thing. And I think that's that's a good way to build the squad now. It's like a Premier League proven thing that people say as well. And I think that's the way to go now. So, for example, someone like, I know we're on strikers at the moment, but if we're talking about like midfielders and stuff, because we're going to have to inevitably, Ceballos is, I hope, not going to be here next season. Um, and I really hope Xhaka's, after the weekend. I think Xhaka's time is limited in terms of, that, don't get me wrong, it's nothing against Xhaka. I'm not, I'm not saying it for that reason, but I do have this feeling that he'll be used less um, next season he's approaching 30 he needs yeah. to he needs you know he needs like, to be replaced one day for someone I, I would be all over Anguissa from Fulham if they go down yeah I mean I think they yeah. would have to sell him at a cut price maybe even uh, what's his name from Brighton um, Basuma 
yeah, Basuma. Like the players who have got, I mean, I know Anguisa has only got a year's Premier League experience, but you know, um, Basuma has been in the Premier League now for three seasons and he's consistently proved himself. People like um, Mendy from Leicester, I know people aren't probably going to want to leave Leicester for Arsenal because it's a, a completely different project and Leicester are going up while we're going down. But you know, like these kind of players who've played in the Premier League for a season or two have proven they can do it. Let's stop trying to sign. Like, I think we should try try and stop signing from other leagues. I think we need to start looking at even signing. someone like Thomas Sojak. Yeah, like yeah. These, like these kind of players who, because it's all right for West Ham to take a gamble on him and him be shit. Because West Ham, all right, they're doing really well this season, but in reality, they're a mid-table Premier League team, probably lower mid-table Premier League team. If Thomas Socek didn't work out for them, they'll just sell him on in two years. But, you know, for a club like us, we need to get signings right. We 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 no longer can buy hopeful. We no longer can buy um, like prospects. We can, we're not in that position anymore. Arsenal need to get back to the top of English football and I we think, won't do it by signing prospects. Uh, Mark, you touched on Fergie's policy uh, and not Fergie from the yeah. Black OPs. Um, you touched <laughs> on his transfer policy. And she had a his, very I different remember, policy. I remember, I do yeah. remember Patrice Evra talking about Fergie's policy, and it sounds absolutely Fergalicious. Um, so, <laughs> his Evra touched on it. He said, Alex Ferguson would always buy the best player in the Premier League that didn't play for Man United the season before, or try to at least. And yeah. then once he got that, fill in the gap he needed to with average players with a good work rate. I think that's why he didn't sign Jordan Henderson, apparently, because he didn't think he had the work rate in him because he ran from his hips. No idea what that means. <laughs> Um, and then that's sign funny. young players and that's how it should be we should be going out and looking or in the race for you know anyone outside the top four now or top top six even so your Calvert-Lewin your Ollie Watkins uh, looking at West Ham you know we, we need a backup left back you know looking at someone like Aaron Cresswell things like that and saying these guys are good fucking they'll come and play for Arsenal bang let's go buy them and then go and buy your youth prospects go and get your Gabriel Martinelli's things like that so I think we've got a massive summer ahead and I have zero faith the club will get it right. Oh, I've got, I've got I think, no faith at all. What we're going to do is we're going to try to young, young, young prospects from abroad, like Brazilian wonder kids again. Now, don't get me wrong, Martinelli was an absolute find. He's, mm. you know, the potential he's got is unreal. And I think, unfortunately for us, if we don't up our game, he's just going to want to go to a Real Madrid or a Barcelona in a few years because he'll be good enough. I, I think, think like sorry, last, just last topic few signings. Barcelona. Sorry, Mark. I'm really sorry. Gwenduzi to Barcelona, nine million pound in the summer. You heard it here first. Yeah, hundred nine million. He's not, he's not Arsenal next. Nine year. million pound. He's got he's got one year left on his contract. We don't want him. Barcelona have no cash. Here's nine million pound. Bang. There you go. And yeah. they'll make it out like they've signed the best wonder kid in Europe. Yeah. He'll be he'll be doing uh, keepy uppies on his like debut on that little stage they have, and he'll definitely like be posting it all over his social media. Yeah, I think I've got more faith than, than you two. I mean, the last few signings we've made, Martin Odegaard's good good player. Matt Ryan, Marty. to correct a mistake, uh, which, you know, we never used to correct mistakes that early. Uh, yeah, Party and uh, Gabriel. Like, uh, since that's all since uh, Raul left. Yeah. Um, mm. His last signing for us was Willian. So I I'm, I'm like confident. And I really like um, our, and he would have been quality. I'm, I am very optimistic. Same with um, the result over the weekend. To go back to that, like I am very optimistic that we're we're moving forward despite the the absolute shit show against Liverpool. Yeah. Um, I agree. So with yeah, you. I, I've still got I've still got faith. Oh no! In terms of the Liverpool thing, I agree. I I agree that. Um... I don't think I, got it, faith I, I think it, I think it well. was just a one-off. I, I don't think that was a because we haven't seen that for the last few weeks. I mean, we were brilliant against Spurs. Yeah. We were brilliant against um, Western. Yeah, in the I mean, second half. But but the thing is, there's there's worrying traits at both sides of the pitch. There's worrying defensive traits and there's worrying attacking traits. Yeah. But the attacking ones worry me way more than the defensive ones because clean sheets wise, until you know we started letting in a few goals recently. We were level on clean sheets with the league leaders back in February. Mm. Yeah. So, well, I think I, I mean I hate agreeing with Jamie Redknapp, but he said he said the other night, um, you know, Arsenal fans don't want to see a team grind out a nil-nil draw. That that's no. never been Arsenal. Like even 
even back in the George Graham days, stuff like that, that was that those results happened when they needed to happen, and that was us being resolute. But you look back to the like the game, the game that Ian Wright was signed, Arsenal banged six goals the week before. Do you know what I mean? So they weren't always boring, but I'm I'm 100 agree with Jane Redknapp. I'd rather see us score four four goals and lose five four than keep getting shitty nil nils and shitty one nil wins. I, I'm, I'm well, no, because you can't. You're saying that you'd rather have zero points than one or sorry, three. one nil losses. Sorry, one nil losses. I'd rather. Us I was going to say, like at yeah. the end, of, I was going to say, if we were in a better position, um, if we, if, if just hypothetically, Arsenal were a top four team now, you know, like we're someone of sort of Chelsea's level who get in the top four every year, but you know, just maybe scrape it towards the end or whatever. Those kind of nil nils against the top four teams aren't bad results at all. But we're in a position now where. We we need some something to like, uh, like wake the fan, just like give the fans some energy and some optimism about the future. Because after that on Saturday, you're looking at it and you're thinking like, where fans is in the... the stadium? Fans in the yeah. stadium in Arteta would have been gone, I think, because you know what our, our our home fans can be like. The Boo Brigade would have been in full effect. And also, I think it makes the result worse if we um. If we had fans in, I think we lose that five or six nil with fans in the stadium because as soon probably. as they start booing, the players' heads would drop. Yeah, I think uh, uh, something I want to touch on with you guys. Um, have you seen the video of Ravel Morrison being interviewed by the United Stand? I think it no. came out this morning on Twitter. Okay, no. so um, try to avoid any by, fan TV if I can. I know, <laughs> but this one, this one's quite strange. So he gets asked by Adam McCullough of the United Stand. Um, and this this will tie back into the Liverpool game. I'm sorry. Um, I can't remember exactly prompts the first question. And then Ravel Morrison goes, no, nah, I'm a gooner, I'm a gooner. And the guy's like, yeah, but, you know, Man United fans still hold you in quite high regard, you know. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, I'm not a Man United fan. I'm an Arsenal fan. I've always been an Arsenal fan. And then he goes, unprompted, I would rather see Man United, even when I played for Man United, I would rather have seen Man United finish second and Arsenal finish first. Wow. And then I show... I showed my missus that because her brother's a Man United fan and I, I had the phone next to me when I, I had her next to me so when I was watching it and she goes, I hate that. I hate that so much because, you know, imagine imagine going to play for a club and not wanting them to win, not being a fan. And then she goes and it like was like a white light bulb in my head. She goes, that's exactly how you feel when those two Chelsea pricks play for your team. <laughs> and I was like, do you know what? You're right. And I'm tying this back into Liverpool. Yesterday was the 20th anniversary like remembrance game for David Rowcastle, a lot of that squad, including us, you know, weren't around to watch him play for Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, even I would have been five when he died. But the players all come out in these warm-up tops with number seven on the back. There's a big mural to David in the pitch, in the stand. There is no one in that dressing room, I believe, and I think this is partly having a case of Saka and Smithrow being out injured and things like that. There was no one in that dressing room saying, come on, lads, let's go out with a bit of dignity today. You know, let's go and put a bit of a fight up. We're doing, there's a family watching. We've dedicated this whole game to someone that used to play for his Arsenal, uh, play for Arsenal. His family's here watching or whatever. Yeah. That, that's what hurt more than anything is that there's no one in that dressing room now that I feel a connection to as a fan, apart from Kieran Tierney, maybe. Do you know I who I actually I do feel a connection player. to more this season? That you, I mean, Mark, you would have absolutely pissed yourself if I'd have said this 12 months ago. But Granite Xhaka, like the performances <laughs> he's would. put in this season, and he's just shown real balls this season. And after everything he went through with the abuse, like to still yeah. come out, I, I mean, he would be within his rights, genuinely. Granite Xhaka would be within his rights to come back in the stadium when fans come in and tell them to fuck off again. Yeah. I think, I think so. the big problem is here, though, that we had. These amazing technical footballers under Wenger, um, who were, you know, world class at what they did. They could hold on to the ball, they could pass the ball, and they were positionally secure. Those three things. Over the years, we lost that, and all we've demanded from our players since is to show a little bit of fight, show a little bit of kind of passion, in the absence of skill, really, and. It goes, it goes back to this whole thing of, I think, if we, we don't love Saka because he shows passion, we love him because he's quality. Like, he's great on the ball. He doesn't give it away. And 
he knows where to stand. And I honestly think if you get four or five more players like that in the team, yeah. then everything starts looking a bit rosier and then everything starts looking a little bit more passionate anyway. Like I think it's, no. it's kind of underplayed that, you know, people say, oh, well, they're not showing any fight, not showing any bottle. But it's difficult to do that if you are shit. If you are as shit as we are. Yeah, no, that is like, And we're, we've never been the kind of team that kind of, you know, outruns everybody else. And that is, no. I, I don't ask I would... for that. I just ask for Danny Sabas not to give the ball away a dozen times in the opening 30 minutes. I would argue that those technical footballers have all been loaned out, by the way. The, the from... best fit we have in the squad from us. So, I, I, and one or two of them are, are, are kind of languishing and not playing. So, you look at for like well, a technical ball carrier with a bit of flair, Joe Willock. I know he's not the best, but he's the best that we'd probably have doing that at the moment. Smith Rowe injured. So a lot of those players that you described. Yeah, Smith Rowe and Saka were out. Wenger's Arsenal, you know, technical diminutive players, Maitland Niles, Willock, Reese Nelson. Yeah, I'm not, I'm I'm not, not sure what's happened to Reese Nelson, but I don't. I, re- I heard an interesting quote from Arteta. Uh, back when he first got the job because he was asked about Reese Nelson and this is always sort of rang in my head I think I said it a few times he said he could be an excellent footballer if he wants to be yeah. and then he yeah. touched on the fact that he used to watch him in the academy and go and speak to him when he was doing his coaching badges and he wasn't sure if he wanted to be a footballer or not that, yeah. that astounds me because he I, I, I still think he could probably be good but he's, he's going to be one of those players that has an, either goes away Gets loaned out around the clubs, gets like a Ravel Morrison type that yeah. obviously has the talent and just but just can just never dedicate his whole life to football. Yeah, um, but we those, those players were there and they're just either not playing or have been loaned out. Um, but there's a there's a lot to address. I think we will be very lucky to um, win the Europa League this season. Yeah, if we do it, I'm going to say it now. I think it's the biggest trophy this club will have won since the Invincible yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Premier League because or with may- maybe the 2014 FA Cup as well because we just had to end that trophy drought but I think in terms of like the stature to get back in the Champions League with this current squad and I don't think it would be a situation where Arteta would go oh well we've got in the Champions League with this squad now it means I don't have to upgrade he knows no. Mikel Arteta is not an idiot he's one of the best young coaches in world football he knows that this current lot he's got are not good, not good enough to play Champions League football. We would get, if, if this current squad went into next season into a Champions League game, we would be embarrassed. Mm. If we came up against a, like a Leipzig or something like that, we would be out, we'd lose 4-5-0 easily. Yeah. I think the other thing about winning a, a European trophy is, um, and this is slightly off topic, but do you remember when Mourinho said the whole thing of football heritage? Yeah, we haven't it's, got football heritage in Europe yeah, exactly. because we we lost the the, um, the one chance we had the UEFA Cup. Yeah. yeah, we lost the UEFA Cup. We lost the Champions League. We lost the you know we're we're not cut out for it's in our DNA that we're we're not a, a European winning team. And to end the that, only way to, to then enter, is to win them, win one. Yeah, the only yeah, essentially. And I think it's only Chelsea that have actually won a Champions League. Um, in the 21st century, having never won it before. Yeah. Mm. It says a lot. It's, it's a real thing. And we have to we have to become football heritage, as Mourinho put That's it. That's a great stat. That is an excellent stat. I'm going to pull that out down the pub. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really good for betting as well. Like <laughs> Porto Monaco getting to the Champions League final. Well, Porto won it in uh, the 80s. Monaco never have. Football heritage. <laughs> it works. Uh, let's let's move on to today's hot topic. Hot topic. Because uh, it's been a while since we had one, so I had to put some thought into into this one, and it took me all of two minutes to come up with it. <laughs> um, so have a think about this. I want you to make a five-a-side team plus manager out of characters from British sitcoms. Great question. Oh, it is a good question. So, is it five players and a it's sorry, four players and a goalkeeper? Four players, goalkeeper, and their manager. So, I'm happy to go and first. The manager. 
Yeah, after you, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, take okay. it away. Sweet. So in goal, I've got uh, Keith from The Office. Uh, <laughs> now, I've, I've obviously got him in goal because of his, his size nice. and ferocity, um, but also because his only weakness is eczema. That's uh, true. Which, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... Under straight I mean, apart. fair counts. Yeah, he's great at counts. So he'll be good at keeping score. That's job, though. Yeah, but yeah. you know what he'll really I mean, struggle with if he ever goes to play in the MLS because over there they call your fanny <laughs> your bum. Um, mm. But over here, fanny is your minge. Yeah. At least they'll have a half-time scotch egg at the ready. That's I was true. literally about to say, I could just feed him scotch eggs. Um, It'd be like go. that goalkeeper from uh, Sutton Town. <laughs> What's his oh, name? Wayne. Wayne, Wayne, yeah. The one who got Wayne paid Shaw. by Paddy Power to eat a pie. Wayne He got paid by the sun. Oh, the sun, by the sun. Yeah. yeah, fucking, and he scouts and that was as well. Us. What a twat! Lost his job because of it. Know. Good, but I don't. I, I know it's a publicity stunt, but I truly don't get why a betting company would pay someone to do something and then offer massive odds on people betting it for it to happen because they're just losing money. Yeah, publicity, publicity is bigger than money for most people. He got banned for spot fixing, even though it was yeah. like the most innocuous spot fix ever. <laughs> It's not like the spot fixing yeah. Mike Dean does. It's not it, like really. Kieran Trippier and literally was betting on people, like betting people, getting people to bet on his own transfer. Yeah, yeah. Wayne Shaw should be in the 2020 squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's better than Jordan. Who's your next player, Regan? My next player is. So, are you going to go from uh, back to front? So, two defenders, two attackers. Um, okay. So, my next player at the back is. Oh fuck! I can't remember his name. Who is the the name of the massive news reporter, uh, the tall one in the day to day? Oh, Chris, the guy Chris, well, Chris Morris plays him, doesn't oh, he? Oh, yeah, yeah. Chris Morris, yeah, Chris Morris. So his character um, from the day to day, because he's resolute. Quite like a bad facial condition, hasn't he? Yeah, he's very tall, he's resolute. Yeah, very, very tall. Win, win, win headers if the ball's allowed over head yeah. height. If not, he's just yeah. getting in the way of people. Uh, he doesn't take any shit, like. Like that time, who uh, one of the reporters on the day today interviewed someone in German and uh, what language they said, were they, they speaking? Like <laughs> yeah, they don't like it, but they have to get on with it. He goes, Really? How did you know that? What did they say? So he questions things, you know, he'd be leading the inquest at the back. If he, if I he heard, say. and when he says um, that, yes, they were talking about figures and they said 30%. How did they say it? Trenta presenter. presenter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Chris Morris from the day today at the back. Uh, and then I would have, um, God, right, and let me move to my strike force because they're a partnership. And <laughs> I want at the tip He's of my spear, so I'm, I'm going to be playing a 2 1 1. So I'll be having one striker, sorry, and then one person in holding midfield in front of the two centre backs. Now I'll reveal my other centre back at the end. But up front, I want Alan Partridge. And yeah. uh, uh-huh! the reason being, yeah. <laughs> He can end the pitch like that, but he's a narcissist. You know, he 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 won't spurn chances. Every time he gets the ball, he's going to shoot because he doesn't want anyone else to score goals. He wants the spotlight. He wants a second series. He wants a second contract. It sounds like Cristiano Ronaldo when you put him like that. Yeah, <laughs> and then running behind him like a rabid Wolverine terrier is Michael from Alan Partridge. Michael, Michael, Michael. So he's obviously been. In, uh, you know, he's been in wars. You know, he's lived, um, but he's fit as a fiddle. Fit as a fiddle, man. And uh, but they they I don't can... have very good communication between the two of them, do they? Are you sure they'll be able to link up adequately? That's a good point. That's a good point. But you say they don't have good communication, but they did get it when when Michael finished that story about uh, they landed on its wheels and uh, started first time when. Uh, What's her face? Lynn walked into the room and he was sending a story about his escapades in Bangkok. So, yeah, yeah Alan Parks Still can't get over the fact that he is the meerkat from Compare the Meerkat. It's so funny. It's crazy, isn't it? No way. Yeah. You, yeah. He's Alexander joking. the meerkat. He's both of them. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, he's Sergei as well. That is just... I know, it blew my mind when I found that out. My cousin lying told me that. that and I had to Google it. I thought he was lying to me. I'm Googling yeah. it now. What about in uh, your uh, who's who's your other defender, Regan? My final centre back is uh, Gareth Keenan from the office. Again, <laughs> great, great. Ex, hair. Ex, that ex that military. kind of hair is made to head balls away. Ex-military, yeah, yeah, yeah ex-military. Um, doesn't Does he take like him out it. from behind. 
if he had to. Yeah, he can. Doesn't like it when people come into his foxhole and try and take him from behind, as you just mentioned. Uh, but he'd be resolute. He'd, he'd, he'd constantly be investigating the danger at the back. Different um, frogs, different times. Yeah. And uh, my manager would be would be David Brent because he doesn't give out shit jobs. You know, doesn't give out <laughs> shit roles in the team. And uh, he's inspirational. You know, he's a he, he's a friend first, a manager second, and then probably an entertainer third. So, yeah, that, that, that's my team. David Brent managing, uh, Keith in goal, Gareth Keenan, uh, Chris Morris, uh, Michael, and then Alan Partridge up front. And if they were to enter the Premier League, where do you think they'd finish? Would they be getting a Champions League spot? Would they be challenging for the league? Would they be making up the relegation places? Oh, they'd be getting relegated. It'd be fun to watch. <laughs> They've got a kind of Burnley vibe about them, I think. Yeah, just Brexit shithouse FC. Yeah. Mm. I, I think I know who's going to be in Matt's team. <laughs> um, in goal, I've gone for Kerry Mucklow from this country. Uh, and purely for the same kind of reason as you, Regan, she would just fill the goal. Um, yeah. And obviously, she's always got her goalkeeping gloves on her, like everywhere she goes. Um, I think, yeah, she would she'd just be a good keeper. I don't think she would be too... Um, fussy she wouldn't none of this playing out from the back nonsense she's lump it forward and hope the big, man, big yeah. man up front gets their head on it um mm. now i've gone for a one two one formation so i've got a defender two midfielders and a and a striker um in center defense i've gone for malcolm tucker purely for the fact that he is just absolutely vile and he's pretty much like the diego godin of defenders he would just he would <laughs> rip people to shreds and he would he'd probably bite he'd scratch um and i think he'd be good with the media because he'd be able to manipulate the media after a loss to make it seem like <laughs> it was someone else's fault not his he's your captain which, yeah very Mourinho, I, that. yeah very very Mourinho. he is very Mourinho, actually yeah he is he's a he's a master of the dark arts and and then my my midfield pairing um they come from different shows but and they have very different energy about them. The first one is Jay Cartwright, because firstly he had trials yeah, at West, West Ham that exactly. never happened. Um, and also not just the trials at West Ham; he's got a lot of football friends. Um, mm. So obviously that's good. And the, the third most important thing is he's modelled with Ralph Lauren, so he's got the fashion side of his career sorted. Um, exactly. You know, he'd probably be the Jesse Lingard type footballer who turns up on a Saturday and plays but really is just waiting to get home and you know whip on the Dolce and Gabbana outfit get it on the gram go for Manchester um, go for Manchester <laughs> fuck off you little <laughs> shit <laughs> um, yeah so Jay and his partner in midfield um, and I've gone for this guy because the amount of drugs he takes and the amount of cocaine in particular he takes oh, what have been running around is. midfield it's Mr. Super Hands, Simon Hands, <laughs> um, Super Simon. It would, yeah, the the coke that goes through his body would have his. I think he would be running eleven k a match. Easy. He ran to the Windsor, indoor, didn't he? I mean, the, the guy ran to Windsor. Kick in, yeah. Endorphins kick in. Obviously, you know, he's not just a coke addict. He he loves speed. Um, he's taken LSD at funerals. Um, he's really a man for all occasions when it comes to. Supplying the supplying the bag, so I'm going to go. And for... he is capable of the dark arts as well. Yeah, he, exactly. he wouldn't mind. He wouldn't mind waterboarding someone if he exactly. had to. He's waterboarded. He's um, he's obviously bagged. He took Angus as uh, as prisoner. <laughs> yeah, he's done a lot of a lot of awful shit down the years. Um, yeah, but obviously towards the later series, he got married and settled down a bit, or not married. Oh yeah, no, he did get married, didn't he? To, um, yeah, he did get married. Mm, I can't remember what her name is, but you know, people people had her down as a downer. But you know, Mark Mark didn't know her name or his name. So exactly. Um, and yeah. then up front, I've gone for the only logical. It's it's also from the world of Peep Show. Uh, it's Mr. Mark Corrigan because for one reason only, he sticks one right in the fucking goal hole, and that's what you need for a striker. <laughs> the Someone red, to stick the one red in the team. goal hole, and he loves the red team. And my team would be playing yeah. red. Um, Mark the Shark scores again <laughs> I mean I've not got any other reason for Mark apart from 
that one. He he sticks it in the goal hole, and what is the aim of a striker to do? You know, stick it in their fucking goal hole. Mark, um, Regan, he's very much like um, what I've heard about Callum from FC Connolly's is that there's no overall game to him. He just fucking scores a lot. <laughs> that's what I've been told from various sources about Callum. Now only you can confirm if that's true or not. He's he's an excellent goal scorer. Um, so, you know, that's going to be your mark. And then the manager, I think you boys will like this and I think you'll like the idea behind it. I've gone for Mr. Stuart Pearson because when you think of the tactics board, he could really three-dimensionalise it and the players would love the plastic yeah. nature of his data modelling. I reckon um, he would set that team up with some great info on the J-Drive. Yeah. Um, Arrow yeah. Palm Spring. Um, <laughs> I mean, other managers would be drinking your tea or your coffee on the touchline. He'd be drinking something herbal. Because there's one thing about Stuart Pearson, he's always as parched as a cuttlefish. Um, and yeah, I think Stuart Pearson would just be your great manager. He inspires, um, he's well respected. <clears throat> uh, yes, and how. Will, will Tucker want <laughs> yes, to play for him? Though? That's how. the thing. I mean, Tucker wouldn't want to play with him, but ultimately, Tucker's power faded away didn't it towards the end and he that's true it wouldn't be surprising if he did find himself being managed by Stuart Pearson because uh yeah and I, I actually want to well, say something about while we're just talking about the thick of it I want to say something I, I re-watched an episode last night and I never really got the gravity of one of the lines it kind of hit me last night how relevant it is because obviously in the fourth series well in the third series as well when when um thingy come into it um when Stuart Pearson's like side of it comes into it. They're obviously, even though it's never mentioned, they're obviously the Tories and like Malcolm Tucker side is the go- is Labour, um, even though it's never explicitly said. And I love new that, Labour, yeah, yeah, new Labour. Uh, I love that Stuart Pearson at the end when he obviously gets sacked by that Mary woman from the Home Office, um, and she says to him, "Yeah, there's no need to collect your things because you're a walking whatever something pod." Um, and he says, I spent 15 years trying to detoxify this party. Now, obviously, we're talking about the Conservatives here. But the foundations are built on what I can only describe as a solid bed of cunts. And it really hit me that that really is probably the most true line in the entirety of the thick of it. <laughs> because you can just imagine some guy being in the, in the Conservative Party high up trying to detoxify the party, like trying to, you know, get the Johnsons, the Reese Moggs, the Pretty Patels out. Yeah. And you realise they are just embedded everywhere in that party. There's probably about 10 Tory MPs that are really nice people, really, really nice guys. But the party's overall image is a solid bed of cunts. Yeah. So, Mark, I'm dying. And that's crap. Okay. My team. In goal, I'm going to play the 1-1-1-1 one, 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 one formation. Uh, hang, hang on, who's your manager? Oh, yeah, yeah, my manager. Person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, sorry. So I was talking to Matt. I forgot his manager. Oh, okay. Yeah, Stuart. Well, Mark, I can on, actually sorry. start with my manager because I went with, I'm going, going to go with his full name here. Uh, Julius Right Honourable Lord Nicholson of Arnage. <laughs> uh, because I felt I'm like Julius Nicholson... Kissing your feet Nicholson, to make amends. I, I felt like... Um, at least one of you would go with Tucker as manager. So I wanted to go with uh, Julius Nicholson as my manager. Uh, but I feel like it works even better with Stuart Pearson just because then there's just two people that Tucker just can't stand just yeah. around around the place. Uh, so yeah, I've gone with Julius, Julius Nicholson, Nicholson as manager. Is a blue sky thinker, dog rapist. He is a blue sky thinker. Um, yeah, close links with the PM. So hopefully... He has some some good links to get, you know, UEFA decisions, etc., etc. In goal for me, I've gone with Mr. Susan from the Mighty Boosh. Uh, Mr. Susan only actually appeared in one scene, but he was the keeper of the Mirror World. Do you remember? I mean, I vaguely remember. It. I haven't seen the Mighty Boosh now for about five years, but I do vaguely remember. It. So, there are seventeen mirrors in the Mirror World. Mirror World. It's more like a small room. That one. Um, he's <laughs> like Noel Fielding voice is very good, by the way. Thank you. Mm. I am. Ba- I, I do basically sound like Noel Fielding, apparently. Um, so yeah, he uh, he was a keeper of that room, and he was covered in fabric. He was quite big 
um, uh, Noel Fielding called him Freddie Fabrics. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go for him in goal because he can fill the room and he's got experience of keeping. Um, so yeah, Freddie Fabrics, uh, Mr. Susan, in goal. In defence, I'm going for Martin from Friday Night Dinner. Ooh. Has anybody watched Friday Night Dinner? Love Friday Night Dinner. Bloody hot in here, isn't it? It's boiling. Jackie, my, my shitting nipples are boiling. He's going to play with his top off, of course, yeah, because uh, it's bloody boiling, and he's going to get in there. He's going to get inside the head of the striker because he's a little bit odd. Is Martin? Yeah. Martin, stop saying shit on it. And he's going to be, uh, yeah, he's going to be defending. He's going to be. He's going to be the back line for me. Uh, a he's, a bit, he's a bit weird. The, the one he doesn't know quite what's going on. Me. The one tiny thing that annoys me about that show is that, um, I mean, I don't even want to say her name in this podcast because this is a happy podcast, is that aunt, the, the actress who plays <laughs> Auntie Val is in it because I utterly despise that woman. Yeah. I mean, luckily, she's only a recurring character. So Yeah, it's just every time I see her, yeah. I mean, she's a shit character anyway, and that uh, that makes it easier to hate her in the show. Um, mm, true. But yeah. I mean, that is a great show, by the way, Friday Night Dinner. It is a great show. And talking of great shows... Defensive midfield, I've gone for Keith Lard of Phoenix Knights. Um, and I believe he was also in uh, that PTK thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's the fire safety officer. Smoke kills in seconds, fire kills in minutes. Um, he was uh, alleged to have tampered with dogs. That was never proven because you get an outstation to testify. Um, and he is so organised like he knows every fire safety regulation going he points at doors and he says like that's locked up that should be open whatever he's undoubtedly very good at his job Keith Lard um and I think that he could dictate play at the base of the midfield exceptionally well uh unless of course there's you know a spaniel off the lead in which case he's a bit distracted you know but he's he's my defensive midfielder for me Keith Lard uh good lad is Keith uh, just ahead of him, and I'm going to seek special dispensation because he's never played for Australia. But I'm going to go with Mr. G for some from Summer Heights High. Um, I know it's an Australian he sitcom, he but can. he has, yeah, he has never played for Australia, and he has been on British TV for over five years. So I believe yeah. that's similar to having lived in the country for over five years. Um, it works. It's fine. Yeah. So attacking midfield, uh, Mr. G. He's a triple threat. He sings, he dances, he acts. Um, he's obviously a superb dancer, so he's he's very flexible, very agile. Um, he is a bit of an egotist. Uh, he obviously wrote Mr. Junior Musical, the teacher who loved too much. And so, you know, he's my Bruno Fernandez. He demands the ball yeah. and he makes things happen. He's I mean, he does make things well. happen. Oh, he is dropping deep to get it. He is... Superb uh, in number 10 for me, uh, Mr. G. And then ahead of that, I've slightly cheated. Um, I mean, even more so than having an Australian. Um, did anybody see Luxury Comedy uh, that Noel Fielding did? No. Okay, he drew a picture of Pele and it came to life. So I'm having <laughs> Pele up front. I feel like Mark's team's winning the league and me and Regan are in the relegation zone. I feel yeah, like I, I agree with that. That is true. Yeah. Although Pele literally would work well in this scenario because he literally no one ever counted his fucking goals. I I was also considering um, Benny Jones from Extras, but I thought no, he's he's not good enough. He's not going to get in the team ahead of Keith Love. So that's a great team yeah. though. Um, and while we're on the subject of Thank Keith Love and Phoenix Knight. <laughs> For the podcast, I would love you to do your Clinton Baptiste impression. Yeah, all right. <laughs> now, spirits are with me. I'm getting the name. John. Is there a John in the room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clinton Baptiste. <laughs> so good, man. Really and do that in your next enough. meeting at work. Do that uh, in your next meeting at work. Me? All right. Yeah, yeah, right. Just, just join your next call. Just completely no sell it. Yeah, right. I saw one of those. You know those. Um, you know those like uh, things now 
where the celebrities like do videos you like cameo and stuff like that yeah he's he's joined that and his opening thing is yeah right clinton baptiste medium and clairvoyant he he did one for one of my mates and he just seemed like he really didn't want i sent it to you didn't i matt yeah, he yeah, yeah. really didn't want to do it, did he? He was I just like, any of well, yeah, you know, they're getting paid like oh, yeah. 60 quid of it. They get like 60 quid for a oh, two-minute video. Oh, he's 30. Yeah. 20, 30 quid, but still, it was like, come on, mate. I mean, I, I would literally, for like two pounds a minute, I would record a two-minute message for someone. We got I... one from him as well. Uh, we got, um, what's his name? Uh, Jim from Friday Night Dinner recorded one for one of my mates, and he did an excellent job. I would no, fully recommend you look him. Nice. You look I love, nice. Oh, no. I love the one where he turns up at the door for the whole series. He's been going, something smells nice. And then there's one episode where he just turns up and goes, Hello, Jackie. Something smells. And <laughs> <laughs> just leaves it at that. that, one, that As Wilson. He had worms. <laughs> As Wilson. Yeah. He had worms. And he's talking about his bath. Oh, yeah. He goes, It was made of elm. <laughs> I paid Wagner uh, to do a birthday message for my dad once. That's oh, that's Wagner off the Love Shack Shimmy. Louis, no, Wagner off the Love Shack. Yeah, he did Love Shack Shimmy. Yeah, did he really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I paid, and this was at the time where he was being paid. Is that the by one where he said "Who are up sing song? No, but I, I have that video that got that taken down. So I didn't pay him to do that. I said, "There's one video where he." I said, "Are up the rar." There's one video he did where he. He goes, Lee Wallace is a glass, and Joey Barton never misses mass. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that was around that time, and I tried to get him to sing an Irish song, and he was all for it. And then the day he was supposed to send it, he messed me going, I'm very sorry, I cannot sing that song. And I was like, oh, okay, he, he's been he's been told off with things that everyone was getting him to sing. But I think, in terms of five side teams, I think my team's the worst out of the three we've had. I think it, I, I can't split your two's. Uh, your vote, so I'm going to give you both a vote. Oh, thank you. Um, I appreciate that. I'm going to vote for Marks because I think, I mean, well, if, if we're talking about pure talent here, it's going to win. Yeah. We've got Pele up front, who, yeah, even though he only really of scored course. against his own dog, he was a pretty decent footballer. Um, I missed the season in goal, of course. Let's not forget. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go for Marks' team. Marks' team's going to, Marks going in. My well, if you're team, voting for my team, if if you're voting for my team, yeah, come on, and I've vote. already got a point from Regan, I'm going to vote for Regan's team so that I win with two points. Oh, you know, I've, that. I know this is how you know I've got Julius as my manager. He's he's out on this. He's the he's the man who makes the barges disappear. <laughs> He'd be drinking swan's <laughs> yeah. blood on the side, wouldn't he? Oh, swan's blood! That's man cannot so live on jaffa cakes alone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, was it Jaffa Cakes? Yeah, Jaffa Cakes. Yeah, yeah. I love I love that guy. What's his name? Alex McQueen. Yes. Yeah, Alex McQueen. I still haven't watched that film yeah. you recommended to me, actually, with him in, so I need to watch that soon. What, I give it a year? Um, yeah. Yeah. Need to Good. watch that. Right, yeah. Regan, that was a great hot topic. Thank you. Love that. It was very, um, very wholesome, and I think it we got to talk about something we all love, which is British TV. I mean, it's one of the few hot topics that didn't include, doesn't include Amber from Love Island, so it makes a change. I mean, <laughs> it won't be long until she's a, maybe a guest star on something like maybe Friday Night Dinner or, you know, something else. Yeah. So I'd love to put her in a five, in my five in a side team. I bet you would. Yeah. Right. Um, Prague. Yeah. Yes, so we're going to quickly have a look at Thursday's game. Um, it's probably, I mean, we're going to be saying this now for the next five games, whenever there's a Europa League game coming up. It's our most important game of the season so far. It is absolutely vital. And I'll tell you what, I have not prepped this podcast at all. Um, I don't even know if we're home or away first. What are we first? I don't know. <laughs> I think look at us well prepared, home. eh? We're honestly, we're, we're professionals on this show. I think we're home first. Yes, we are. I've just checked. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's important that we win with a clean sheet. I would love to come out with a one or two nil win. Um, I really don't want to, you know, be draw getting a score draw in the first home leg because that would really put us in a difficult position to go away there. 
Um, yeah. I mean, Mark, what would you say in terms of what would you be hoping for from that first game? I mean, do we think Smith and Smith Rowe and Saka are going to be back for that? Um, I've heard that Saka isn't far away. I don't know about Smith Rowe. And actually, I have no idea about um, Kieran Tierney. I mean, I hope we know what happens. It looked on Sunday. Arteta said he was going for tests, but that's as far as we've we've heard so far. The fact the fact that Kieran Tierney walked off is a positive. However, I did read something that said there is a bit of a thing with players like Tierney, who obviously do act the yeah everything's okay. Walking off could have done himself more damage if it was ligament damage. I think so. I don't think he'd be stupid enough to do that. I think if he mm. when he's injured, injured, he'd stay down. I hope so. But, yeah, I mean, hopefully it's just bruising. Yeah. Do you remember when Danny Welbeck uh, went off against uh, Man City? After he'd come back and scored that header against Leicester, yeah. uh, he went off against Man City and he walked off the pitch and it turned out he'd done the ligament in his other knee. That's what <laughs> worried me. You could sum Danny Welbeck up in like one thing. Like yeah. That. And when Fabregas broke his leg taking a penalty, broke his foot against Barcelona uh, in the two. I hate how that I hate how that gets spinned from him breaking his foot taking a penalty to taking a penalty with a broken leg. I hate the spin on that. Yeah, he took, he not. broke it taking it, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he didn't take the penalty with a broken foot. And even it then, because I he, be it's because to... because he's such an idiot, he took the fucking penalty with his laces and absolutely. Slice through the ball. There was no need to do that. Who takes a penalty with their laces apart from Jamie Vardy, who's got foot made feet made of like stone? Because he was mm. probably trying to miss if it was against Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, no, it wouldn't surprise he doesn't me. actually want to to beat them, does he? Come on. Well, I've just checked, and apparently um, Smith Rowe apparently is going to be back eighth uh, of April. So what's that? Three Next days. Week. Chaka uh, apparently three days, Saka three days, and then you'll be very happy to know no return date for David Luiz Regan. That is, Joe. You know that is, I, I sent it to us. That's the best news all season. But I guarantee you, we still give him a new contract. Did it's you not think that we missed the, um... his forward passing against Liverpool? No, I don't. I don't, I don't think there's 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 not been a game that he hasn't played this season where we have missed him. His okay. defensive contribution is overrated. Uh, considering that he loses the ball at every opportunity, he gets it. So, what's the point? That's a that's a big cross. I honestly thought we could have made it through this podcast without mentioning William or David Louis, because <laughs> considering they weren't involved, but we've still fucking mentioned. Them. Oh dear. Oh, and yeah, Kiratini in a return date is currently being assessed. He felt something in his knee. He was in pain, so it looks like he would be injured. But we don't know how long for. Well, that's good to know, isn't it? Yeah, that's great. Uh, that's great insight there. That it has to be Saka yeah. left back now. Yeah, it's um, we're down to the bare bones Saka. now, aren't we? Saka at left back, Martinelli ahead of him. I mean, Cedric surely nice. no, no, it's square pegging round holes again. Yeah, but he's been all right it. at left back when he's played there. Sometimes we we watched him play there Southampton when we won three one there, and we were all like waxing lyrics. Yeah, like, good also, There's also been games where he struggled there, and it it, it hurts the offense a fair bit. I think. You I see know. square pegs around holes. Saka it. hasn't played left back for about nine months. But at least we know that he is still an exceptional talent there. Mm. I mean, I'd rather go Cedric. And he's left footed. What about um, Curveball? What about uh, back three? Yeah. I would, yeah. I, I I'd would much rather Saka uh, in left wing back position. Chambers right centre back, Bellerin back at right wing back because that gives him less opportunity to be shit. Saka left wing back, Gabriel and Mary, uh, or Gabriel and Holding, the other two centre backs. I, I want to just say something about Chambers quickly yeah. while you mentioned him. He did so well on that uh, to try and get back in for that Diego Jota header. Did you see how close he actually got to getting back in? I mean, that's not his man yeah. in the box. He saw that Holding, three seconds before Holding got to that ball, he knew Holding was going to struggle. He got inches away from getting his head on that ball before Jota got there. I do, I do, like I do think Chambers think, has got think this um, natural defensive instinct to him that I do like. I, I don't think his quality is necessarily that good, but I think he's got that real good smelling the danger. And actually, he puts a really good ball in at right back, which is why I rate him much ahead of Bellerin going forward. 
Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I'd like to hang on to him if possible. Yeah, I mean, if we're giving him game time. If we do play uh, sort of midfield three, him anchoring that midfield three, he can do that. You know, it's he's got he's got options. So I want to get some score predictions before we finish. Regan, what are you thinking on Thursday? One nil. Two. Arsenal. Arsenal. One nil to Arsenal. Uh, yeah, would love that. That'd I be a good result. Be, I think there'll be a lot of. Uh, I think it'll be a very tight game, by the way. I think it'll be one of those we need to take our best chances we get. I don't think it's going to be one of those games where we're going to get chance after chance and it's going to be open. They will be be very up for it. Oh, of course they're up for it. This is the thing with Europa League. Like, I think when you get to the late stages of the Champions League, you've obviously come up against world-class teams like Bayern, PSG, that kind of stuff. But I genuinely think the standard of the Europa League the last two or three years has improved unbelievably so. The teams mm. that are now in the quarterfinals I, are really, really, really good teams and could have been in the Champions League six or seven years ago. When we used to play teams like uh, Galatasaray and, you know, these teams we used to beat four or five nil every single time we played them. Um, like uh, the team Eduardo used to play for. Uh, that was... Um, Shakhtar. Yeah, Shakhtar the Nets. Like, we just used to beat these teams five five nil at the Emirates every single time. But these teams we're playing now in the Europa League are much better than they used to be. Well, have, have we got worse? <laughs> uh, we've definitely got worse since since those kind of years, yeah. But I mean, the overall quality of European competition has gone up so much. I think I, I think now you could get eight or nine teams who could win the Champions League every year, but you never used to have that. Yeah. I would I would love it if instead of making this new third tier European competition, they just amalgamated all those teams that would go into that into the Europa League and made the Europa League knockout from game week one. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. So, Mark, what about you? What do you reckon the score will be? Um, I mean, uh, Slavia Prague beat both Rangers and Leicester 2-0 away. Yeah. Um, so, I if we can hold them to at least a draw or beat them if possible, I will be happy. I mean, a 0-0 draw would not bother me at all because I would fancy us going out there and being able to get a 0 0-0 draw, then, yeah, fair enough. I do enough, not want to get I... a score draw, though. Yeah, I don't I, want them to go. I'm going to say 2 1 to Arsenal. I would not be as happy with that as, say, a 0 0. Yeah, same. Um, it's weird. I've always said this that you, yeah, a 1 0 winner is a much better score than a than a 2 1. Um, but because hopefully we, we get, get at least a goal of straw. Yeah. I agree, and I think I, I also think it will be two one. But I'd love to our uh, two nil would just. I think I massively fancy our second leg. Although obviously we saw what happened with Spurs. Um, had to throw that in. Yeah. There. Um. <laughs> so. That's yeah, that's that's us done for today, boys. Thank you for both joining. Thank you yeah, for having me. Having me. Um. It's going to be a tough, a nervous few days coming up to uh, Thursday, but. I'm sure we'll get the job done. We uh, we've we've done well in the big moments in the Europa League this year. When we've when we've needed to pull a performance out of the bag, we've done it. Yeah. All right. Thank Hopefully you very much, boys. Up and get better. Thank you yes. very much, Mike. Thanks, Mark. Cheers, boys. Thank you for listening to this episode of another Arsenal podcast. Feel free to keep up to date with what the boys are up to by following us on Twitter at another Arsenal pod, our Instagram at another AFC pod. Or you can email us with anything you'd like to be included in next week's show by emailing anotherafcpod at gmail.com.